Here's a new idea. Why don't we insist that anyone who emits carbon should have to compensate for the damage that this causes? And because we're always worried that the compensation might not actually be made or that vest interest might bias downwards the estimation of the damage, why don't we insist that there's a net gain as opposed to just bold compensation? Why don't we insist on net carbon gain as a core principle in the net zero campaign? And it's not particularly new in one sense because we already have net biodiversity gain required for building developments. A developer wants to stick a, a new housing estate on a, a wonderful green field and what they have to do is estimate the loss of biodiversity and then make a net biodiversity gain investment somewhere else which is going to be greater than expected loss for the site. So the idea of compensation is pretty straightforward and why not carbon too? And in a really serious sense, this is not actually a radical departure. It's just the polluter pays principle. You pollute, you pay. It's what a carbon tax actually is supposed to do. And even the poor choice of a new UK emissions trading scheme to replace the uh, EU's one tries to do that too. Polluters pay the size of the carbon price should equal the damage that's done. In one sense, a net carbon gain rule is simply a carbon tax which is slightly higher than the damage expected and applied to everything. So we could have net carbon gain achieved through the polluter pays principle. But hang on a minute, we're a long way from a universal carbon price across the economy and one also applied to imports. And there are whole sectors where carbon pricing is actually perverse, of which agriculture is the most obvious. We subsidise highly polluting activities in agriculture and we even subsidise red diesel in the farmers' tractors. So if we applied this principle, perhaps it would be quite radical and uh, that might be a good thing. The government, for example, doesn't want to overrule a new coal mine in Cumbria. Extraordinary though that notion is in the context of all the rhetoric about COP26 and taking climate change seriously. So what if we said to that new coal mine in Cumbria, you know what, you've got to take the carbon back. Or in other words, you've got to find a compensation for that carbon elsewhere, which offsets the damage that you're doing. That would change the economics quite substantially. We can apply that to the red diesel in the tractors too. Indeed, we could apply that to the emissions that come out of your car, the emissions that come from your gas or oil uh, central heating and so on. That brings us to, well, what exactly are the compensations that ought to be made? This is a problem that many companies confront. There's a dash under ESG 
and more general pressure on the social license to operate for companies to declare they're going to be net zero. Not many of them have much of a clue what it really means, but let's take them at face value. This means they've got to search around to find compensations, in my terms, net gain carbon compensations, to make good for the emissions that are hard to abate and probably aren't going to go away. Hence the search by energy companies to find potential natural capital projects in forestation and habitat protection, peat bog protection, and so on. All pretty good and, in principle, going in the right direction. That's what net carbon gain means. But there's even more practical turn on this back home. I mentioned at the start that we already have net biodiversity gain. Now, here's an interesting fact. It turns out that not only do soils have roughly four times the carbon in the atmosphere, so they really matter, but also the carbon in the soils is correlated with biodiversity. Many studies of biodiversity by uh, developers and so on are guilty of what I would call sizism. They like big furry animals, they focus on newts and bats and so on, all very important. But actually, most biodiversity is very small and beneath your feet. And that biodiversity matters. So actually, if you really seriously want to do net biodiversity gain, if you mean what it says on the tin, then actually you should be conserving carbon in the soil and compensating for it. And take a look at any modern development. There's one just outside my village. It's at the moment something like a cross between a paddy field, because it's flooded, and an industrial site. The buildings are going to cover over what was a meadow. It's actually called by our village name with the word meadow after it. (laughs) And this concreting over much of this meadow will reduce permanently the ability of that meadow to sequestrate carbon and indeed release quite a lot of carbon in the process. Add that to the carbon in the buildings, add that to the carbon emissions from the houses that are put on site. And you can see that under net carbon gain, the costs of this project will be rather different than they're currently reported. So if we're really serious about net zero, if we really want to have an efficient economy when all the costs, including the costs of pollution, are internalised in that economy, then net carbon gain is a pretty good principle. Let's use it, but let's not delude ourselves. We are ultimately, you and me, the polluters, because we consume all this stuff. We live in these houses, we drive the cars and so on. And therefore, what net carbon gain means is what we need to do to get to net zero, and it means the prices of many of the polluting things we consume uh, will have to go up. No free lunch here. Confront the reality. Polluters should pay, and that's going to cost you and me. And let's have net carbon gain as a new principle to use in our armory of policy tools to get on with getting to net zero. Thank you.